This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Take a deep breath. Relax. Inhale through your nose and exhale through your mouth. Sit back and close your eyes. Gradually release the tension, starting from your toes, working up your legs to your pelvis, and from your fingertips, slowly up your arms to your shoulders. The Stacking Benjamins Show, no matter how bad it gets, is your favorite podcast. I will count backwards from three, and when I snap my fingers, you'll be overcome with delight at hearing the start of this episode. Three, two, one. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today, according to this nifty desk calendar Joe's mom got me, it's National Pasta Day. I got my big old plate right here, and I am super ready for today's show. Totally pumped up. We welcome today to help us get ready to start that side gig or new business, Ms. Femme Frugality herself, Bryn Conroy. Plus, in our headline segment, the U.S. government has announced new social security increases. How much is on the table and why is it exciting? We'll tackle that, throw out the Haven Lifeline, answer a letter from the mailbag, and wash it down with some pasta and my incredible trivia. And now, two guys who are rounding Wednesday and headed into the weekend, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Doesn't it feel like that some weeks where you are just, baby, I'm picking up steam. Here I come home plate. It rarely feels like that for me on a Wednesday, but <laughs> but this week it does. Tell well, maybe me. Maybe this week it does. Okay, This sure. week it does. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday Fun Day on the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salcija. I average Joe money on Twitter and across the card table from me for yet another scintillating episode of this year podcast. Whoa. It's my buddy OG. You can spell that. I know. I can't spell it. I barely know how to say it. Check this out. Check out my mug today, Boulevard Brewery. So we go to Kansas City and uh, we didn't take the Boulevard tour. We we, we got to do that next time we go. But I, I do have the coffee cup this morning. So... We did sample some of the beer, though. More importantly, what's inside the coffee cup from the brewery? <laughs> Not talking about that this morning. <laughs> but what I what I am talking about is magnify money. How about that? Because the average person who goes there says 450 bucks. You know what's inside magnify money? Free money. All kinds of goodness. Free money. Stuff like better checking accounts, savings accounts, less interest to pay to the man on your debt. Consolidate your debt. Get your act together. Do it all at magnify money using the best products that are available on the internet. Over 90% of the stuff that's out there is available at Magnify Money, stackybedjamins.com forward slash Magnify. Magnify. Where where did I come up with that? Mm, Enunciation for the win. Magnify Money. Thanks also to LinkedIn for supporting Stacky Benjamins. LinkedIn Jobs matches people to your role based on more of who they really are, their skills, their interests, and even how open they are to new opportunities. And guess what? Because of the fact that you listen to this podcast, we got a special LinkedIn offer, 50 bucks for 50 bucks off your first job posting. Go to linkedin.com slash SB. 
That's linkedin.com slash SB. Terms and conditions apply. So what just happened? We just saved you $450. You've only listened to what? The first five minutes of the show. Saved you 450 bucks, and we helped you find that person who's going to fit in your job opening. Org chart. Yep. Yeah, you're welcome, America and world. We, we got a lot more where that came from. So let's, uh, let's roll into some headlines. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Napa-Net. People that didn't save for retirement are about to high-five themselves because baby, the government saved them. How about that, OG? The bumper sticker that says, I'm here from the government and I'm here to help. Yeah. Or, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Yeah. Uh, so there is some good news. Social Security announces their benefit increase for 2019, 2.8%. Social Security and Supplemental Security income benefits for more than 67 million Americans will increase 2.8% in 2019, the Social Security Administration announced last week. And by the way, did I say this is from Napadashnet? And uh, Ted Gabbout wrote this. The 2.8% cost of living adjustment will begin with benefits payable to beneficiaries in January. For SSI beneficiaries, the increased payments will begin on December 31st, 2018. A fact sheet further explains that the maximum amount of earnings subject to the Social Security tax will increase from $128,400 this year to $132,900 in 2019. This adjustment is based on the increase in average wages. The IRS has yet to announce the official 2019 limits for retirement and other benefit-related purposes, but it should be doing so in the near future. Benefits consultant Mercer earlier projected that nearly all qualified plan limits will increase next year. Sounds exciting until you realize that these are all based on inflation. So even though you think that you got a pay raise, guess what? The price of bread went up at the same time. You're pretty much making the same. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, I think the government uses inflation minus food and energy. Yeah. So <laughs> the two areas that are likely to have the largest swings in price change <laughs> year to year, they're like, yeah, we're not going to count that part. No. We understand that your heating oil and your gasoline went up like 8% this last year, but we're not going to count that. And we know that burger and bread went up a whole bunch too, but we're not going to count that. But the good news is, is that pencils your- went up 29 Pencils and your water bill went up a little bit, so we're going to use that number. But hey, it's better than nothing. Take your 2.8%. In fact, that kind of is about the average. You know, The average Social Security increase is about 2.6, so we build in our financial plans as the uh, you know, last uh, 30 to 50 years or so on average. So, uh, you know, average day. Another hey. day, another dollar. Hey, it's more money, so it is a good thing. And I was being a little callous there to people that rely on this. But, you know, if you're listening to this show, you're here because you don't want to rely on this. Hey, I'm curious. Due to the government inflation increase in Social Security benefits, what's your feeling on increasing our pay in January? By 2.6%. Please, God. So our pay goes from $6 to $6.20. That's even higher. That's still too high. It's like <laughs> it's still too much. We're going like, up too much. We go to six dollars like, and twenty cents. What, six right. six dollars and uh, and and twelve right. cents. Okay. Yeah, deal. We can go from six dollars to six dollars and twelve cents. Yes. yes. Offer Doug three percent more canned ham. Mm-hmm. Opening those boxes, peeling back those lids to give him three percent more ham is going to be. Well, that's mom's your job. job. No, well, that's mom's job. That's I'm Your not doing job. that. Yeah. Mom, three percent more. That'll go over great. Caden's job. <laughs> that is Caden's job. Everything we don't want to do falls to Caden. Now the the Caden intern. Our next piece comes to us from Investment News. This written by Jeff Benjamin. I like this piece because instead of looking at the stuff that the popular press is talking about, this is an industry rag. Looking at uh, from the advisor point of view. Market slide awakens nervous investors, puts advisors back to work. (laughs) But this seriously is when good advisors earn their pay, I think, OG, is times like this when the skies get a little bumpy. My goodness. I I really pay so little attention to this imperceptible market decline over the last week that I guess you got to have something to write about. I just saw in my Apple News as I was thumbing through it before we uh, marched down here that there's actually an article of that says 
tech stocks poised to rally after severe decline. It's like, you know, you got to have something to write. You know, you got to, it's crazy. If this bothers you seriously, like if the last week has got y'all in a tizzy and you can't sleep at night, we, we got some major intervention to do. Well, I think, and, and we'll get into this piece in a second, but I think this is a boon for advisors because if an advisor takes advantage of this from a marketing perspective and knows that this is the time when you can battle the human side of it, right? The behavioral side of it, and maybe teach your client some lessons so that they learn to weather the next storm better than they might be weathering at this storm. I think that that's, this is, this is a great time for them. It's in fact, the, the subheadline Jeff Benjamin writes here, some reach out to clients who need handholding while others see decline as opportunity to drum up new business. Volatile financial markets are when some financial advisors do their best work, not necessarily with investments, but with clients. And, and I think that that first line is very apropos. The investments are a commodity. The client is not a commodity. And understanding that it's about the people and not about the investment is really a big key to investing for the average person. Behavior is the number one determinant to long-term investor success. So if you can keep that in check or if you have an issue with that and you and you help outsource your behavior to a, to a third party, uh, this is the time when he or she should prove their mettle. Yeah, right. As it were. Quote, I know there are four or five nervous Nelly clients that I need to make a phone call to, said Lee Baker, president of Apex Financial Services, regarding this week's stock market decline. In situations like this, we send out a proactive email reminding clients not to panic, he added, but we also tell them to call if they really need to talk about their situation. And you and I talked about this off air. I think it's great that people call their advisor instead of just hitting the panic button when I was an advisor, I lived through two big market downturns. And in both cases, I had two clients who didn't call me, press the panic button and really blew themselves up just completely. So calling your advisor first, I think is a great move. Is the panic button like the easy button from Staples? <laughs> the big red button you have like next to your bed. Panic, panic. I actually like like them thinking that way, which is why when I hear advisors you know, they say, well, I want my clients to rely on me. And then you're sitting with them at a bar and they're like, well, the market dropped and my clients called me and I got really angry at them because they called me. I'm like, are you kidding? That's great. That's, mm-hmm. that, that is fantastic because you get to teach them. I feel like sometimes advisors talk out of both sides of their mouth. It happens. We're a bunch of two-faced sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> As a group. That brings up something funny. Somebody was talking about the Susie Orman controversy. I don't know if you've seen anything, but there's this little Susie Orman controversy going on online. I meant to, I got to listen to it. I've meant to do it like six times and I just get distracted. I like the fact- Apparently she doesn't agree with- Fire. Yeah. I like the fact that that several public- Paula fight fire with fire? Oh, maybe she did. Well- Listen to find out. Well, actually she didn't really fight her back. What I'm impressed with is I thought Susie's appearance here went really well. And people are even talking about like her appearance on our show and just how different like night and day those two interviews were, which is very true. I mean, Susie came on here and had her peacock feathers out like usual. But besides that, it it went very calmly. We had a very calm discussion, different than this market though, OG. So anyway, back to our discussion the reason I brought that up was that somebody said, well, the reason Susie doesn't like the fire movement is because it's anti-advisors like her. I'm like, are you kidding me? People want to retire really early? Why wouldn't you have super smart people in your corner? I get, I get a little miffed when people go, well, all financial advisors are leeches. Well, yeah. It just, it just, it just, that was your opinion, I guess. Yes. And so are CPAs. And mm-hmm. so are people that help you with your diet. And so Doctors. is your doctor. And so is, uh, you know, your car insurance agent. Just, well, those guys are. <laughs> yes. That's right. Those guys totally are. Uh, if this market fluctuation bothers you, you need a better hobby. For one, you should pay so little attention to it that you don't even know that it's happening. And if you catch wind of it, if you happen to see it on Twitter or Facebook or the news or something like that, it should be such a non-event that 
it doesn't even cross your mind as an issue because this is totally normal stuff. You know, I mean, it seems a little violent going down three or four percent in a day or something like that, but it's still kind of normal. Not still happens. Yeah, I think you definitely have to look at your your diversification if these few days have bothered you, because you're not too aggressive for your goals, probably. You might be. I mean, I'm not looking at your individual asset allocation, but if you've invested the way that we've talked about on this show, it might not be about your diversification. It might be about you. Just stick with the plan. I think that's uh, our first takeaway from today's headlines. Our second takeaway is getting a big Social Security 2.8% raise. Mm, inflation might be a little higher than that. Sorry. You get the dessert bar at Applebee's now. There it is. You get the extra shrimp at the sizzler. This woman is a force of nature, and I love talking to her. Bryn Conroy is the voice behind the Femme Frugality blog. She has a heck of a personal story. She's been on before. She hasn't told her personal story. We're going to ask her to do that today because it is a, it's a powerful story about somebody against a lot of odds still being able to not only get where they need to go with their life, but also to help other people get where they need to go. She's out with a new, speaking explosive, a new explosive book called The Feminist Financial Handbook. But today she's here in the basement talking about entrepreneurship and about getting your act together and also how she got her act together. Let's say hello to our good friend, Brig Conroy. And coming down the stairs to the basement, it's our good friend, Miss Femme Frugality herself, Bryn Conroy. Bryn, how are you? Good. How are you, Joe? I feel you're one of those people that I feel like every time I see you, I feel like I just saw you yesterday and we kind of pick up where we left off, but it's been too long. I know, definitely. Last time I was here, you didn't have that kiss poster up, so... (laughs) Upgrades from (laughs) from Bon Jovi to kiss is always a win. That's right. (laughs) So let's talk about you first for people that don't know your story, because you didn't start off in really, I would imagine, a great place. You left home at a really young age. I did. I did. I left home when I was a teen. Um, And from that point forward, I was supporting myself independently. My plight was made a little bit easier. I had people who were willing to let me couch surf. And not in the fun, like I'm going to travel the world way. But how, like, <laughs> yeah. But how old were you at this point? I was when you left home, 16 or 17, right on the cusp there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So nowhere to go. People let you couch surf. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's okay. I had great friends who would um, let me stay with them, reduced rent. I still worked really hard at work, and I finished high school, got into a good college. Sometimes I was working more than one job, but I was always working full time. Can I ask you just because, you know, because a lot of people have never experienced anything like this. How do you couch surf and still manage to keep those goals in mind to finish high school, get into a good college? Like I'm imagining, Bryn, life is throwing a lot at you at this point. And to think I still need to get into a good college is, you know, thing number 672. Yeah. When I was growing up, I was told that I was very antagonistic and that was a bad thing. But for me in that certain situation at that point of life that I, I faced, I think that it was actually a very positive thing and it helped me get through. I had all these circumstances that I should not be able to continue to better myself and to continue to get an education and to continue to get to work with a car that sometimes worked and was old enough to be a classic, but not nearly cool enough to be one. Um, (laughs) And so it was breaking down all the time. I had a lot of things going against me, but I was very, very determined to not let them slow me down. How did you get through college? That is an interesting story. So I went to my original school for a semester And then I found out, I learned a little bit more about college funding or the lack thereof. And I realized that I was going to be in a lot of debt. And I was not comfortable with that. I was not comfortable with tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I was going to a very expensive school. So I dropped out. And it took me a long time going back and forth to go back and finish my degree. So it was a slow process. It took me seven years. So you're, you're preaching to the choir. 
Mine, mine was also, I didn't want to get into lots of debt because when I did take out debt, I actually spent my student loan money on a computer and not so I could do anything good with it. I wanted to play video games. And then I realized, oh no, yeah, well then I knew myself and I'm like, I'm an idiot. I already was doing dumb things with money and I'm like, I can't do that anymore. So I took forever to do it and work three jobs, but you're, you're couch surfing, working three jobs, driving the unreasonable, the, the unbelievable car. So you made it through, but, but that for you meant independence at an early age. What made you decide not to go work for, you know, go work for the man out of college? Well, I did for a little bit. Um, I had this writing thing going on as a side hustle. I worked in my chosen career field uh, for a little bit, and then we had a regional work shortage. It's a unionized field, and I was one of the last people on that register. So I lost all my work very suddenly. And in 2015, actually, I went to FinCon for the first time. I built up my business, and all of a sudden, before I knew it, I had a full-time income again. So a lot of the things that I've done in my life financially have been born out of severe necessity. So yeah, they say that it's uh, what uh, does Tony Robbins say? It's either uh, perspiration or desperation. And your sounds like it was a little of both. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've always been a hard worker, but sometimes life doesn't work out the way you want it to. And when that happens, you just kind of have to figure out a way to make things happen. So and, and in the middle of all this, you found out that you were expecting yeah, yeah. This was actually prior to finishing school. I f <laughs> I was living in poverty. I had been for a while. I still hadn't figured out the whole how am I going to fund college thing. And I was kind of, unfortunately, not comfortable where I was, but I was kind of resigned to it. I was like, this is my life. I don't have the money to go back to school. I need to work full time because I do not have anyone that I can turn to to help me and support me. So I had just kind of given up and been like, I can still be happy in this life. It's not going to be like the most luxurious life ever, but we will still have good times. We'll still be happy and we'll find a way to make things work. Then I found out I was expecting and I realized that I couldn't go down the path of choosing between the electricity bill and groceries anymore. I knew that I had to up my game <laughs> and that there must be a way to fix things. We got on benefits in our household. I went back to school. I got grants and scholarships to cover everything. And around that point, actually, when I found out I was expecting is when I started my blog, Femme Frugality, because I was learning all this stuff and totally boring all my friends <laughs> by telling them about it. I was like, someone on the internet must want to know about this. So, <laughs> But that's so awesome. Take your struggle, share it with other people. And what's cool about your blog, Bryn, is that you now have found a bunch of people, like through the power of the internet, you found people that you're empowering that are really living a similar life to yours. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Like, I never thought that was something that would come out of this, but I am also so glad that it has. That's one of the most rewarding things about all of the work that I've been doing. So, I was so excited to see that you have a new book coming out called The Feminist Financial Handbook. But one area that I wanted to talk about, and which is obviously entrepreneurship, with all of the different stuff that you've had to juggle, is something that you've learned from the school hard knocks, also from school, from your many jobs, like how to be an entrepreneur. What surprised you when it comes to who's starting new businesses? Yeah. And I've been an independent contractor in almost every professional position I've had, which is a whole nother conversation for another day. <laughs> right. But in you learn about, you learn about taxes in a hurry, don't you? Oh yes. <laughs> Just oh, yes. immediately. You're like, oh yeah, I got burned by that once. Not going to do that again. But anyway, I'm sorry. Right. No, you're good. I think a while ago you and I were talking and we were like, yeah, we're probably the only people that actually like going through and reading the tax code right. because it's so enlightening. You can find so much stuff, ways to get money back that you never right. knew before. It's exciting. I can write off this pencil. Yeah. You're kidding me. Yeah. We get to do so much more reading this year too. I, it'll be good. It'll be good times. Well, it's been great. My hair, what little I have left is quickly going away. But anyway, <laughs> yes. Mine just started turning gray. So that's fun. I liked it when my, we're getting off track, but I liked it when my hair turned gray, but I know it's different for men and women. Do you like your hair turning gray? I'm not the hugest fan of it, but it's not so, I don't want to say bad because I don't want to put that quality on it. It's not, it's not as prolific yet. So I don't have to dye it or anything. I don't know. I got to tell it you though, kind of I've got a friend who's in her early forties and she just owned it. 
And it's so cool. It is just so, I don't know, it's pretty badass. Just owning her gray hair is awesome. That is cool. But, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, going back to going back to businesses because you've got some surprising statistics here that I think a lot of people don't know. Who's out there starting new businesses right now? Absolutely. So since 2007, the small business sector has only grown nine percent. But when we look at female-owned businesses, it's boomed at a rate of 45 percent over that same time period. Not only are those businesses popping up everywhere, but they're also becoming extremely successful. 37% increase in revenue since 2007 for women-owned businesses. And that's performing 10 percentage points over the market at large. Wow. They just highlighted this on one of my favorite podcasts, Startup. I don't know if you listen to Startup. Oh, yeah. They follow an angel investor who invests specifically in minority-owned and women owning businesses and goes through some of these statistics, but also the hardest hell time they have getting money out of Silicon Valley angel investors because it's an old boy network. Yeah. Isn't that ridiculous? It it's is. like you can look at the numbers and you can see where the, your money is going to perform better and you still don't want to put it there. It's so crazy. It, it just blows my mind. But women of color though are not leading this movement, you say, because they're, I mean, creating new businesses, leading that part of the movement because just because they want to create new businesses, they're really doing it because the discrimination in the workplace against black women is horrible. Right, right. So all women of color are really at the forefront of this movement, but African-American women in particular have a pronounced presence here. Part of it is because, you know, women want to provide for their families and do things themselves and building business is a good way to do that. But there is also a lot of discrimination in the workplace And that's particularly true when you're a woman. And it's even more true if you're a woman of color. Every woman that I interviewed for this book that runs their own business, every single one of them except for one said that discrimination played a major role in their departure. So you're choosing to leave a W-2 job with these benefits and everything else. And you're kind of going into the unknown. Once you get there, you're kicking butt. But it it was just really kind of sad to hear the why behind it. There was one woman that I talked to. Her name's Ashley Hill. She is now a scholarship search strategist. She runs her own business and is very successful in that, helps other people go to college for very minimal amounts of money. But she was a research analyst at this chemical manufacturing company. She would get left out of conversations, out of important meetings. She would be given assignments and no one would give her any guidance or instructions what they wanted out of it. Then she would be on the hook whenever it wasn't exactly how they wanted it. (laughs) And so there were all of these, I don't even want to say microaggressions. Some of them sounded pretty just blatant that she as a woman of color was not on equal footing with the men that she worked with. I just feel like all Um, these hurdles, unnecessary hurdles put in her way, which is funny because it ends up hurting the whole business. You know, I mean, nobody's looking out for the customer in this situation. Right, right. I mean, it ends up hurting the business and then it it, it ends up hurting your customers in turn because there's a lot of talented women who are leaving. Um, I have one friend who calls it one of the biggest brain drains in America. It's just absolutely insane that when women get all this training and have all this professional knowledge and can prove that they can turn a high profit when they're in positions of power, they're being forced out of those places where they could really create success for everybody. What's cool, speaking of success for everybody, you then ask them for success tips. And it's cool because even for, you know, middle-aged white guys like me, these are tips that anybody can use to get ahead, but that a lot of women are using to succeed. So if you don't mind, let's go through a few of these, because I think these are pretty important if you're going out and starting your own thing. The first tip you had was to be financially prepared. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when you're starting a new business, there's only a 50% chance you're going to make it to year five. Um, And then the odds kind of get slimmer from there. While it can be something great that you can build up and maybe even pass on to your kids, it can also be a major disaster. So you want to make sure that you're financially prepared by making sure that maybe you don't have too much debt. I talked to some women who were making sure they had their emergency funds big enough before they actually left their nine to five jobs. They made sure that their businesses were bringing in regular income. 
and that that income was consistent. I mean, it's always going to be variable, but they tested out this, this side hustle as long as they could. I like that idea of bootstrapping it. I know our mutual friend who runs FinCon, Philip Taylor, did that with his business where he was an accountant and on the sideline, he started his website, PT Money, and then that started making money and he kind of learned the ropes on the side while he had this income coming in. And then finally he got to the point where he was making enough that he could replace that. And of course, then that led to FinCon and now he spends most of his time doing that. But he bootstrapped it, which I think especially, you know, for a lot of the women that you talk to, if these avenues of funding that we just talked about aren't there, having your financial house in order is even more critical. Exactly. Yeah. And Shantae Maddox-Ray, um, she's also one of our colleagues. She was one of the women that I talked to that really spoke a lot to this particular point. She uh, was carrying a lot of debt and so she paid it all off. I believe she paid it all off. She paid a whole lot of it off. I know that. And she was really watching that income, like that side hustle income. And she actually was working in journalism before. So she chose to stay in the same field, but just go off and do it on her own. Yeah, that's that's powerful. Next is to be confident. I think I want to step over that one because if you if you lack confidence, you're going to get trampled as an entrepreneur. <laughs> Absolutely. No matter who you're. But the third one, run a lean operation. And I think I think Bryn, a lot of new entrepreneurs get that piece wrong. Yeah, there's a huge piece of advice out there that you should always be investing in yourself, which invest in your own business, which is a very good piece of advice. But I think that you have to be careful with it because just because you spend money doesn't mean that you are always going to get the same return on it. Uh, you can maybe bill something on your taxes, right? You can deduct it on your taxes. That doesn't mean that at the end of the year, you're going to come out positive. You still spent money. You just reduced your tax burden. That's funny. Just because it's tax deductible doesn't mean you should do it. I've, I've heard that so many times. Well, well, it's tax deductible as if they're talking about it's free. No, 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 no. Right. No. Yeah. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> you still spent like $500 on whatever piece of equipment that was that maybe you did or didn't need or uh, this conference here or that conference there. I'm all about conferences and getting the equipment you need to build and grow your business. But I think running a lean operation gives you a lot more freedom to grow in ways that are going to be advantageous. Just be picky. Did you, did you find that a lot of the entrepreneurs you talked to that they stepped in this one, they spent money a little too carelessly when they started? Yeah, I had two women talk about that. The, the one that sticks out in particular, uh, her name's Ellen Massicut. She was thinking about taking her business and having a physical business office. And so in preparation for that, she hired a full-time salaried assistant. And what she learned through that process was there was no way in heck she was going to be opening up a storefront because the overhead costs simply of having a regular employee who was not 1099 were just oppressive and did not make it possible for her to invest in areas that would allow her to grow more. I love that. I hate that story, but I think that's, <laughs> but I think that's a good lesson for anybody starting out. Next is figure out which efforts lead to the highest profits. Yes. And this one is going to be more of a case-by-case -case basis, I think. We could talk about social media efforts and even just marketing efforts as a whole, but that's not the business everybody's getting into. Each business that you get into is going to have different forms of advertising or training that are going to bring in more revenue. What I would suggest is seeking out a small business incubator, either at a college in your town or through the small business administration in your area. And a lot of times they will even provide free mentors to you. I love that. Well, even without the mentorship, just, just being with a bunch of other business owners that are kind of in the same situation, I think is cathartic at the least and helpful at the most. Absolutely. And the and when you set it up and you're doing it locally, you also learn about fun things like local laws or registering uh, your business or how much do I have to pay to be an LLC in this state? So that's a really good thing to do, I think, is network locally. Speaking of that, we, we your next point was networking, and I think we'll skip over that. But the last one, and this one, you and I both see entrepreneurs mess up all the time. Take care of yourself. Absolutely. It's so, so important. You look at companies like Google, where they really need their employees to be innovative and doing their best. And they do that by setting up times in the day when they can just go and do whatever they want, grab a coffee, grab lunch, 
grab their free lunch (laughs) at the Google offices, or they can play foosball or do any of these other things that really give their brain time to recover from constantly being at work. Because when you do that to yourself, you're not going to perform your best. I love to work, but uh, there's times I realize it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And if I'm going to be successful, I got to walk away. And I'm a guy that has so much trouble doing that. And I thought that was brilliant advice because either you're going to fry or your business is going to fry. I mean, I've had times where you just hit a wall and you shut down. And it, and when that happens, it's an, an unopportune time. You just can't do it anymore. You must, have, you must have talked to people that felt that same way. Oh, absolutely. And Ashley, the scholarship strategist that I was talking to, she told me that just very recently, she's had to force herself to schedule breaks in her day as if she was at a normal office. Like she has lunchtime now. And whenever she goes to speak at a conference, maybe she'll stay a few days and have her family come out with her for those few days and make it kind of like a little bit of a vacation. Obviously, the whole trip's not deductible when you do it that way, but she's able to go and get work done and also have time with people that she loves. You can't deduct the days at Disneyland? Uh, (laughs) I thought you read the tax code, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The book is The Feminist Financial Handbook, A Modern Woman's Guide to a Wealthy Life. By the way, we peeled off entrepreneurship, which is one chapter in a bunch of cool, great topics. You start off with defining wealth. I can have it all, can I, is is the first part. And then you work into money isn't the key to happiness, but poverty sure can ruin your parade. And then how to earn more. You talk about negotiation, doing your own thing. You talk about saving more. I mean, it's uh, front to back, just an action-packed book. Where can people get it? Amazon is the best place to get it. Sometimes it's on sale there. And you can also check it out on barnesandnoble.com. Awesome. And I'm sure you're also talking about it at the blog. What's going on at the blog lately at Fem Frugality? Yeah, you know what? It is October, so I am getting ready to ramp up our annual series here on domestic violence. Wow, and that's so needed. For sure. Yeah. The book again, The Feminist Financial Handbook, we'll have links on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com if you're out walking the dog or on your commute. Bryn, thanks a ton for hanging out with us. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And I got to say, Joe's mom and I are both, you know, we're, we're super into this National Pasta Day. I've had bow tie pasta and spaghetti and two plates of linguine and even a helping of Joe's mom's famous lasagna. Oh, all right. Okay, where was I? Um, uh, yeah, right. Today's trivia. Yeah, on today's date back in 1986... The first disposable camera. Oh, man. Whoa. Big thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Stacky Benjamins. You know, the right hire, it's going to make a huge impact on your business. And that's why it's super important for you to find the right person. But where do you find that person who can really make an impact with your company? You could try posting on the job boards, but can you really be sure the right person sees your job? Instead, find the person who will help you grow your business with LinkedIn. They're the world's largest professional network, and people go to LinkedIn every day to grow professionally and to discover job opportunities. 70% of the U.S. workforce is already there, so LinkedIn Jobs is able to match people to your role based on more of who they really are, their skills, their interests, and even how open they are to new opportunities. This way, your job gets seen by more of the right people, making it more likely you're going to fill that role more successfully. Most LinkedIn members haven't recently visited the top job boards, but nine out of 10 members are open to new opportunities. So you can only reach them on LinkedIn. And that's why a new hire is made, get this, every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. And businesses rate LinkedIn 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. It's funny, when it comes to finding the right candidate, I've always believed that having that right person 
who's open and fits our culture. I mean, imagine a basement culture finding you need a wide pool of applicants and you'll find a wider one at LinkedIn. Here's what you do. Head to linkedin.com slash SB and you're going to get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash SB for $50 off today. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks also to Magnify Money for supporting Stacking Benjamins like we do on many Wednesdays. Let's head to Magnify Money by going to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. And I want to take a look at the Magnify Money blog and I'm clicking there right now. And you'll see, very interesting, looking at personal loans and comparing different personal loan rates and what they like about different places and what they don't like about other places. Also, a piece on CD rates. And there's a new piece every month on CD rates. And Nick Clements wrote this himself, one of the uh, co-founders of Magnify Money. So looking at CD rates, a one-year CD Barclays, zero minimum deposit amount, 2.55%. A two-year CD uh, at CD Bank, 3%. Minimum deposit there is 10000 bucks, And uh, it goes on and on and on. They talk about Ally, Marcus by Goldman Sachs, Capital One rates, Synchrony rates, Viobank, uh, PenFed, Credit Union gives you a bunch of different rates. So Magnify Money, the place that not only can you go there to dispel credit myths, look at reducing your debt, dealing with collections, find out who the worst banks are, the best credit cards. You can also use it and you should use it to look at more of the banking products you use every day. Instead of walking into your bank and just saying, what do you got? Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money to compare, ditch, switch, and save. Trivia fans, man, I am so sorry about that. Mm. Oh, hold on. Well, oh, is that man a cotty? Oh, hold, hold on, people. Just hold on for a minute. Mm. 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 National Pasta Day is my favorite. Hey, hey, here's uh, the exciting answer to today's oh, tie trivia question. Uh, on, on today's date in 1986, the first disposable camera was created uh who made it your uh man well hold on man i gotta wake up wow i'm just gonna grab a pillow here for just a second yeah you know you might have said kodak but actually Big thanks to Bryn Conroy for coming down to the basement. You know, OG, you hear stories about people that run away from home in high school, still find their way through college, still find their way to be an entrepreneur, become an author, do great work. Some if, perseverance right there. If you're not motivated by that story, like if you look at your situation and then think, oh, woe is me, and then you hear that, and maybe your story is harder than Bryn's, but how inspirational is that? Crazy. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline, OG, and we're going to tackle some of life's most important questions like Bryn has. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. Oreos and Hot Pockets. Hot Pockets. Mm. I haven't heard a good Hot Pocket joke in a while. Diarrhea Pocket. <laughs> That might be my favorite part of that joke. And for people that don't know what we're referring to, go listen to some Jim Gaffigan. They now have vegetarian Hot Pockets when you don't <laughs> eat meat, but you still want diarrhea. <laughs> I wonder how Hot Pocket sales did after he did that. Well, they're not hurting in my house. I can tell you that much.
I also, let me ask you this. If you go to Haven Life and you're filling out the application and you put down on the other line that you eat a bunch of Hot Pockets, what do you think they do to your premiums? They lower them. You know, you're going to die sooner. <laughs> that would be increasing, I suppose. Yeah, I guess they increase them. Oh, sir, I'm sorry. It's, it turns out we... Ooh, you've got a rider for Hot Pockets. Uh, yeah. I... <sighs> You're you're rated table hot pocket. <laughs> we we there's, took there's preferred, standard, smoker, and hot pocket. Hot pocket. Those are the different classifications. Sir, we just did the blood test, and it turns out your blood is ninety percent hot pocket. <laughs> just slightly better than my blood, which is ninety percent bourbon. <laughs> Our friends at Haven Life put what you value first. Uh, it's actually your loved ones and your time, not Hot Pockets and Oreos. It's why they've created a modern way to buy quality term life insurance. In fact, no waiting several weeks for a decision. Their application, they took it all online and got rid of a bunch of those annoying questions you answer over and over and over that they already know the answer to. Bam, streamlined all that. Policies issued by their parent company, Giant Mass Mutual. Prices are affordable. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and for life insurance the modern way. Let's uh, use some modern technology, our voicemail here and the Haven Lifeline to talk to our new friend, Matt. Say hi, Matt. Hey, Joe and OG. My wife has some medical school debt that we pay off monthly. It accrues interest daily. So I was wondering if there was a way or a method to limit how much interest is accrued per month. I know there probably isn't, but currently we have money taken out on the 25th. And then I try to throw some extra money at it, say in the middle of the month, like the 14th or 15th. I'm not sure you guys can help me at all, but I look forward to the free t-shirt. Thanks. <laughs> and that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The greatest softball question to get a free t-shirt. <laughs> greatest money show on earth t-shirt. Oh, gee, what do you think about the market? Love the show. Send me a shirt. Send me a shirt. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to pitch in here first, OG, just briefly, which is this. Reading a friend of mine who used to actually be on the show in the early days. Remember how Carrie Smith Nicholson used to be yeah, a member of our roundtable yep. way back when? Carrie had a problem where she was sending him money early to avoid, Matt, some of the problems you're having. The company was holding that money until the day it was due. And oh, it, snikes. Yes. And it wasn't paying any of that oh, interest. What so, a piece of crap organization that, that is. Yes. So make sure when you call in, when you send in that extra money, verify that that money, if it's accruing daily, make sure that that money is being applied immediately. Well, pretty much all interest is on consumer debt or student loans or home equity loans or whatever. They're all going to be calculated daily. So, you know, the name of the game is get it there as fast as possible. You know, I had a car loan one time and I remember that I was always paying extra on it. And I looked at it one time and I'm like, why does it say that the bill isn't, you know, the pay next payment's not due till March, you know, and it was like September. Well, it's because I'd accumulated so many prepayments basically that they were willing to go, no, oh, no, you're good. You're good. Don't even know. You're fine. Don't make any more payments. You got all the way till March. So those are those are some of the tricks that I'm familiar with, but holding on to the money is pretty crazy. But really, it's just as fast as you can pay it off. If it's calculated daily, it's just for every day that you don't have that balance there, it's one day less of interest on that amount. So Faster equals better. You know, if you use a service like Debitize, I know that Debitize pays off your debt in the most optimal way possible. Laron is going to come back on the show here soon because it's been a while since we've had Debitize on the show to talk about that product. But I might look into Debitize to see what they do in that area. I also, and this is going to sound crazy, call your lender and ask them what's the optimal payment strategy to pay the debt off earlier. And maybe I'd look and see if they have a blog or if they have some resources themselves. I know some of these companies, like as an example, when we used to work with some of the the student loan payoff companies, they would have people in their consumer, I don't know what you call it, consumer help division or education division that would tell you how to, even with them, how to pay the debt off more quickly. Might right. not They might not be truthful depending on how slimy they are, but most organizations want to make sure that uh, that you win because they win when they get their money back. 
just pay it off faster. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, Matt, devote more, even, Do it. even more money to it, right? That's it. Thanks for the question, Matt. And we also get letters down here in the basement. And Doug just dropped off this one. This is a really long one. Ready for this? This one comes to us from Mario. Mario says, what's your opinion about investing in a target date fund for retirement? Let's just call it. His, his name is it Mario. His name is Pot Stirrer. That's, mm. that's, that's, that's who Mario is. That's, that's the type of question we'd expect on the Haven Lifeline, not a letter. Well, I used this uh, last show but it really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of worse places to put your money. And we do kind of beat up target date funds, but for two particular reasons. Number one, they're generally fund of funds, which means it's a company-specific fund with company-specific stuff stuffed inside of it. And it's like a turducken. It's not a turkey, it's not a duck, and it's not chicken. And it all tastes like crap when it's stuffed inside of one another. But somehow, somewhere, somebody thought that would be a good idea. Generally, they cost too much. You know, you just you just have some layered fees on top of layered fees. Now, there are companies that don't do that, but generally speaking, they are. The bigger issue out of all of it is the fact that I think that they get too conservative too early. You know, all these target date funds look at age 60 or age 65 as the end goal. And if you have 40 years to go, fine, they're there's a lot worse places to put your money, including not putting money anywhere. But as you get closer and closer and closer toward retirement, age 65, they're going to continually get that account more and more conservative. It's just like target date 529 plans. They do that too. And the kids are like nine years old and they're going, well, we're only nine years out from college. We got to be conservative now. And you really lose the opportunity for market returns, you know, as they continually dial back the volatility on it. So because I don't think that retirement happens at 65 and all of a sudden you're, all your money should be in cash, I believe that almost all of your money should still be invested for 30 plus years at age 65. That's the major reason I have big issues with them. Yeah. And you know what? If you're going to use a target date fund, I point you to our tour sponsor that we, uh, we chose specifically for this reason. Bloom is a much better resource because they'll go into all of your other funds inside of the 401k, choose the ones that are least expensive, more on point, follow modern portfolio theory. And if you're going to build a target date fund, build one using the best stuff in your 401k, not what OG's talking about, where they're stuffing it full of stuff that helps them in most cases. And I have to say in most cases, because I'm going to get 30 emails from people telling me, well, I use the Vanguard one or I use the Fidel. We're not talking about those. Those are much better products. But read anywhere online and you're going to see that 90% of the target date funds out there not built like those and pretty suboptimal. And it's very easy for you to take control and do better. You can do so much better without much more work. Stackybedjamins.com forward slash bloom, B-L-O-O-O-M three O's. And uh, I think you're headed much more in the right direction. Thanks for that question. Hey, as I mentioned last time, you're running out of time. If uh, you want OG's firm in your corner in 2018, uh, they'll open up the doors again in 2019. But if you need help here at the end of the year, stackybedjamins.com forward slash OG. That will lead you to OG and his team and better financial planning. All right. That's going to do it for today. And a lot of people to thank. So Doug, what should we have learned today, man? So, uh, what did we learn today? First, starting a business? Take some advice from Femme Frugality, Bryn Conroy. Building a business is exciting, but you still should remember the fundamentals. Emergency fund, lots of avenues for credit, and a strong team and business plan. Second, relying on Social Security? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, National Pasta Day is pretty much a complete dumpster fire. (laughs) Seriously. But hey, please don't rely on Social Security to fund your retirement. Really, trust me. It's much more difficult to keep up with inflation at the least. And to meet your later goals in life, at the most, it's darn near impossible. But the big lesson? Uh, Skip the manicotti. That was over the top. Seriously, I... uh, Oh, it was pretty good after the linguine and the lasagna and the 
those cute little few silly things, but oh god, that that spaghetti and then, then the manamakati and the oh. Special thanks, uh, yeah, to uh, Bryn Conroy for stopping by, and thanks, Bryn, for waking me up. Uh, you'll find her new book, The Feminist Financial Handbook, on Amazon, and you know, also because we support independent booksellers at Powell's. Make sure you go to Powell's. And you can also head over to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash... Sorry, uh... Stackingbenjamins.com slash Howls. So while we were recording today's episode, we ran out of space on our recorder and we had a fantastic exchange, <laughs> some of the best radio we've ever made and uh, nobody will ever hear it. But we were talking about, and I want to get back to this OG because I just think it's pretty, it's pretty wild airplanes. And you and I have been on quite a few airplanes recently, you more than me. And I feel like I've been living on airplanes the past couple months. I actually am back to the point, by the way, where I fell asleep on an airplane. And when I used, <laughs> when I used to fly a lot more, I would sleep. And that's when you know that, uh, your anxiety levels come down enough that, you know, I don't have any anxiety on planes, but, um, do you have the routine? Like where you sit down, you get your stuff, boom, 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 you get kind of all set up for me. It's the you know, I transition from my AirPods, which I have, yep. I'm listening to while we go through, you know, just kind of that pre-boarding stuff, get on the plane, shake off the AirPods, put in the noise canceling headphones, plug those in, got a playlist that's like the airplane playlist, right? So that way you don't have to talk to anybody. Because if you don't, if you, there's a period of time when you don't have headphones in, there's a chance that Ned Ryerson sitting next to you. <laughs> What? And you don't want to do that. I've had some fantastic discussions on planes, but I generally try my best to avoid that. I don't want to talk to anybody on a plane. It'd be like talking to the guy in the car next to you as you're driving down the highway. You know, you're driving down the highway and you hold up your like cell phone number so you guys can chat as you drive from Dallas to Houston. Like, hey, call me so we can talk. We don't know each other, <laughs> but call me. Like, hey, so what do you do? Uh, I'm a truck driver. Oh, you don't say. That's crazy. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, what do you do? It's like, tell me about your family. Like, screw you, buddy. I'm not telling you about my family. I don't know anything about you. <laughs> I worked uh, I worked with a lot of Microsoft employees. And uh, my client, Keith, said he would get on a plane. And he made the mistake once of talking to this person next to him. And they said, oh, so what do you do? He's like, oh, I work for Microsoft. Oh, I, I've been having this problem with my with my laptop. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then he's like, I, I know nothing about that. I sell enterprise software to car companies. So <laughs> I know. Like, cool. So when I press control, is it control and delete that gets it to restart? <laughs> yeah. So he said yeah. ever since that he gets on a plane and if somebody, and, and Keith's a little bit of a talker, so he will chat with the person next to him. But if, if it ever comes up, what do you do? He says, I work at a bakery and he's like, and I make up this whole thing. Oh, that's interesting. What do you do? Oh, you know, we're one of those new cupcake shops. We make lots of cupcakes. It's really fun. The good one to get people to shut up is that you sell life insurance. <laughs> 
I had a guy sit next to me once who worked for Kelly Blue Book, and he was talking about how they they work, and I, it was fascinating. Like I sat there, and I knew he was in sales for Kelly Blue Book, so he was. You're like, cool. Could you email me the rest of this to? I don't give a f- at I don't give a f- <laughs> dot com. <laughs> no, I actually had fun. It was a good time. I did sit down on a plane once. And the dude, you know, it's going the wrong way when before we take off, the dude orders two Bud Lights and you're sitting in coach. I'll say that sounds like a Tuesday to me, but go ahead. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no. And he's just proceeding to get just completely liquored up. And then, uh, Bud at, Lights, yeah, I think you right. get full before he got liquored up. <laughs> Good boy. So then he orders, uh, another one, like by the time that the cart actually gets there. And by the way, he buys two more that that's number four, number five. So the unwritten rule on booze on an airplane is that they'll let you have one per hour of flight. Uh, he, they generally like will pace you out. Even if you're like, ding, 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 they'll go, oh, can I help you? Oh, yeah. Can I get another beer? Like, yeah, just a second. We're just finishing up. And they'll like drag, drag it out. Drag so it out so that you. Once. Yeah. Or if they give you two, then that's got to like, you know. Well, this, well, at least that's what they tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Mr. OG, how do you know my name? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Mr. Passenger. Yeah. This guy alerted to your presence. This guy actually had worked for the airline and was flying from point A to point B. And he knew the flight attendants that were on the plane with him. And by the way, every time he would get them, he turned to me and he'd go, you want one? And the first two times I said, no, no, thank you. And the third time he goes, no, seriously. And he shows me like these drink tickets he has for like free booze. And every time he's not talking to flight attendant, he's like, Hey, Martha, can I, uh, she's like, Oh, sure. Bill, you know? So, uh, but he's like, you want one? I'm like, he's the pilot rep of the union or something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so anyway, I finally joined him for one. The third time they asked. You're such a sport. Did you see though? I think it was a trans. Did you sit in the aisle or the window? Which one do I prefer? Yeah. I prefer the window. Okay. I'm an aisle person. I'm becoming more of an aisle person as I get older because of my, my, uh, issues, issues with, with height. I'm not the tallest guy in the world, but I'm too tall for those, those for planes. What the way, see the way I've engineered it is that I take out my iPad, a book, a magazine and the newspaper and my phone and, and I put all those on my chair, but then I take my bag that they tell you to put underneath your seat and I put that in the overhead bin. Sinner. Stop taking up the overhead space with your little bag. No, no, because I'll tell you what I do though. My take up overhead space and make it so everybody else has to check theirs. Yes. Selfish. No, I actually check mine. I check my carry on bag. If I've got more than an hour and a half between, between flights, like if, if my connection's really close, I don't check the bag. And then I go ahead and put the little bag underneath my seat. But if I uh, have more than an hour and a half and I'm pretty sure my bag will, you know, will be able to follow me. It might. Might make it. Might make better it. Better than 50-50. Yes. Yes. Then I don't pay the stupid 25 bucks or whatever. I wait till you get to the gate, walk over to the gate. Hey, are you guys checking bags? And every stinking time they go, yes. Mm-hmm. So then I check it and just put my little bag up there. So I'm saving people space. You're welcome. Nice. And I get my room for my longer legs. This was mm-hmm. exciting. Welcome to well, Joe and OGs. <laughs> Welcome to Joe and OG's What We Do on Planes. Hey, by the way, did you get my sunglasses in Orlando? I'm guessing probably no. I did, and Cheryl oh. has them. And, oh, and I that? forgot to bring those to Kansas City, but I did bring you, your- You remember to bring my towel. I brought your kid's Hulk towel that I accidentally <laughs> absconded with from your house. Yes. My kids were like sleepless for months on end. <laughs> like, where's my Hulk towel? Mr. Joe took it. And it's funny, how many times you come here to the basement and you never- Pick up the towel. I got to take it to Kansas City. Yep. And I still didn't want it. No. Because I packed light for that trip, dude. Backpack only. What, did you, you really? That? Oh, yeah. I can get two and a half days out of that backpack. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not me. That was stuff. All right. Well, break. we are going to lose our two and a half listeners. So I, we should go. But I want to tell another boring story. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is... Military Appreciation Month, and I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. 
This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.